We continue our series today of Keep Calm and Carry On, focusing on our verse for the year. And I think I'm always very thankful. I always state how thankful I am to God, how amazing He truly is. But I guess I'm continually surprised. And I don't know why I said this. I sent out an email earlier in the week. I don't know why I'm surprised by how awesome our God is. But I am continually surprised by how He knows what we need. He knows what we need to hear before we even consider it. And our verse for the year comes, came before, came before a point where we were thrown back into full lockdown on Monday. It came before the U.S. government capitol building was being taken under siege almost. It came before we started seeing even more things in the news of Indonesian plane crashes. What's being described as deadly storms sweeping into parts of the world, bringing snow like never before. A week where North Korean leader announces that he's going to be expanding his nuclear arsenal. See, his verse for the year for us, his, 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 his series, the series of keeping calm and carrying on and focusing on him to grab our strength, to grab our courage, that we would be joyful in hope. Well, I'm just going to leave it at all, all that God has given us came prior to even more turmoil in the world, even more chaos in the world. In the midst of it all, it seems, and in some, terms, in some senses preempting much of it, God was saying, hey, keep calm. Focus on me. Carry on in me. And with that, he gave us this verse for the year. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's Romans 12, 12. And we're going to spend the next few weeks unpacking that verse. And we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at scripture. But I just really want to start today by just reminding us how awesome our God is. Because I spend a lot of time in prayer and as do others in the church seeking and praying and figuring out different aspects of ministry. Where do we go? What do we do? And, and for months, I felt God say, hey, it's going to be about perseverance. Hey, we got to keep on going. And he gave us Romans 12, 12. And in the midst of it all, I mean, genuinely, so many people during the Christmas period, right before Christmas period, were thinking, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. People were putting their hopes in a vaccine. We're going to be able to get out of this lockdown. We're going to be able to get back to our normal lives. Everybody was kind of feeling a little bit more cheery. Christmas happened in a, in a slightly more difficult way. And the spirits were dropped a little bit, but there was still this hope. And we were being told left, right, and center of, hey, we're not going to go back into lockdown fully. It'll be fine. We're coming out of it. And literally, the day after we launch this series, the day after we dive into our verse for the year, schools are closed. The country enters into lockdown 3.0. Days after the launch, there are images of political and civil unrest like none of us have ever seen before in that particular country, the United States. I've read and seen that it was comparable to other countries around the world, in Africa, in the Middle East, Latin America, countries that the U.S. would normally come and bring peace into and bring 
a change into. Our God is an awesome God. And if you were here in the presence, that would be encouraging to say, Amen. How awesome is our God? How amazing is our God? And so I want to encourage you as we start this morning, as you're in your home to say, hey, how awesome is he? If you have not yet been able to refocus your eyes on him, to be reminded just how awesome the creator God is, well, then I hope and pray that today would help you do that. I hope and pray that your eyes would be opened a little bit more, that your ears would be further clear, that your heart would be more ready to receive than ever before, starting with how awesome our amazing creator God is, our savior is. But we're going to unpack more of that. And so we're going to turn to our reading for today. Romans 12 again. And we're starting here, but we're starting at Romans 12 verse 9. And we're going to read from 9 through to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Honor honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's an amazing passage. There's so much in it. And we're going to keep on reading it every week. But we're going to just keep on focusing on that central bit for us. But that central bit speaks into all the bits around it. It's also a part of that central message of loving one another, loving enemy and friend. So with that, our verse of the year Verse for the year, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Today, we start by looking at being joyful in hope. And before we can really be joyful, we need to ask the question, well, what is hope? Hey, this is great, Paul, who's writing to the Romans. He's saying, be joyful in hope. But I can be joyful, but what is, what is hope? And it's easy to simply just say that. Oh, just be joyful in the hope that you have. But wait a second, what is hope? <laughs> so with that, we turn and we ask the question. And if you know me well enough, you know I'm going to start in the dictionary. 
And the dictionary def definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for per a particular thing to happen. As an example, he looked through her belongings in the hope of coming across some information. I had hopes of making the Olympic team. It could also be a person or thing that may help or save someone. Their only hope is surgery. And finally, according to the definition of the dictionary, hope can be grounds for believing that somebody good, something good may happen. He does see some hope for the future. Now, John Piper, uh, pastor and theologian, has described hope like a reservoir of emotional strength. Piper goes on to say this, If I am put down, I look to that emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to return good for evil. Without hope, I have no power to absorb the wrong and walk in love. And I sink into self-pity or self-justification. If I experience a setback in my planning, if I get sick or, or things don't go the way I'd hoped in the board meeting, for example, I look to that emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to keep going and not give up. If I face a temptation to be dishonest, to steal, to lie, or to lust, I look to the emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to hold fast the way of righteousness and deny myself some brief, unsatisfying pleasure. But that doesn't really define hope. See, the, the use, our daily use of the word hope tends to maybe reflect something uncertain. We start using it as a, well, I hope this happens, but I'm not sure what is yet to come, so I'm hoping for the best. So for example, my kids may turn around and say, well, I hope daddy gets home early. They don't have a certainty that daddy will get home on time, that, that he'll be there early, but there is a desire that he does. There's a desire that I would. Maybe we have hope that, that, that John would arrive safely somewhere, but that doesn't mean that he will arrive safely. There's a desire that he will, but there's a chance that he may not. We may say, hey, clear roads are the only hope of arriving on time. But that doesn't mean that we will arrive on time. That means that if there are clear roads, there is a desire that we would have clear roads to arrive on time. But there's no guarantee in that. There's no 100% satisfaction in that answer and that hope because we cannot assure that. Ordinarily, in our day-to-day -day lives, hope is really expressed as, as uncertainty that we've got stuff. Well, I hope we'll have a good day, but I don't know what the day is yet to come. But that is, that, is, that is different from what we see in the Bible defined as hope. Let me say it again. Uncertainty is not the distinctive biblical meaning of hope. The biblical meaning of hope brings assurance. Because biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Again, biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it actually expects it to happen. Our biblical hope is, hey, we expect there to be something good coming because of our understanding of who God is. And it, not only do we expect it to happen, but we are confident that it will happen. Now let's take a step back for a second. 
Because what we're kind of talking about really is that of, of, of faith in one respect. We're, we're, you know, it's our faith. Some of you might say, well, actually, Adrian, it's, it's not my hope of, in, in something. It's my faith in Jesus. It's my faith that tells me something good is going to happen. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we probably see the, the, the nearest, best, simplest definition of that of, uh, uh, of faith. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things unseen. Again, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Now, the way I'd possibly paraphrase that would be where there is full assurance of hope, which the writer of Hebrews talks about in chapter 6. There's also faith. Where there's assurance of hope, there is faith. Faith is that full assurance of hope. Biblical faith is is a confident expectation and desire for good things in the future. But faith is more than just that, though, really, isn't it? Because faith is more than just hope. It's also the conviction of things not seen. And some of these are not in the future. So, for example, Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God. Their faith can look back to creation as well as look forward. Our faith can look all over and say, hey, I have faith because of what I've seen happen and what I've seen yet to come. Perhaps it might be easier to remember it like this. Faith is our confidence in God and his word. And whenever God and his word has, uh, has reference to the future, you can call that confidence in it and in him hope. Faith is our confidence in God and in his word. And whenever God or his word have reference to the future, we can call our confidence in him or in his word hope. See, hope is referring to what is yet to come. Hope is faith in the future tense. So you might be asking yourself, well, hold on a second. How can I be so confident that what I'm expecting and desiring will come to fruition? How can I be so confident of the future? And well, this is biblical hope. Why is this biblical hope so secure? Well, we can have hope because of who God says that he is. Say that. Let those words ring in your head for a second. We can have hope because of who God says that he is. We see that God is the ground of hope. He is the foundation of hope. By reason of his nature and by his attributes, his steadfast love, his his covenant-like love is especially set forth as the solid ground on which we build hope. We can have hope because of who God says that he is. And that's, that's something that we see throughout Scripture, through the ages. You know, before Jesus walked this earth, there was hope for the freedom that was promised to Abraham and Moses, Israelites, the, the people of God, those who believed in God, had hope from the very beginning when God spoke and gave promises, gave covenant relationship. In Zechariah 9.11, we read, as, you also, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, it will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. This covenant scene is the ground of hope. It's because of what's happened that we can have hope for what is yet to come. This covenant assures them that, uh, of his care and his salvation. Consequently, they can expect deliverance and redemption, knowing that that captivity will not remain their lot forever. It's not permanent. 
The situation that we're in right now is not permanent because we can see from the past of who God is and what He said He's done. He is loving. He is gracious. He is a God who will set us free. Because He'll set us free. We know He's done it before and He'll do it again. There's hope for what is yet to come. In Lamentations 3, we read, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, and His faithfulness is great. You see, because of God's steadfast love, because it never ceases, because His mercies never come to an end, because His faithfulness is great, it is because of that that the writer of Lamentations can say, Hey, I have hope. Literally, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because we can talk about God's steadfast love, His love that goes forever. I've been told I talk about God's love too much, but guess what? It's because of the, me talking about His love that I have hope for what is it to come. It's because of God's love that in the middle of this crazy situation, of this pandemic, of this breaking down, of, of this division that is happening worldwide, because of His steadfast love, because of His faithfulness, because of His mercies, because they never come to an end, I can turn around and say, you know what? I have hope, y'all. I have hope for what is yet to come. Because of those things. Because I see who God says that He is. Because of His Word. Because I look back and I go, wow. Look at what He did then. Look at what He said then. Look at who He is. And yes, He is a just God as well. And He is a God in front of whom we will all stand. And therefore, I know that all the injustice that is, the injustice that is happening in the world, all those people who are trying to get away with stuff, guess what? They're going to stand before God. And He's going to stand before them and go, you know what? You messed up. And He will be the judge, not me. And so in one sense, I have to keep my eyes on him and say, hey, what are you asking of me, God? And our verse for the year comes in the middle of what I believe God is asking of us for the season and beyond. Hey, love in a sincere manner. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Keep on going. And we know that Jesus' greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, And here we see Paul further unpack what it looks like and means to walk in some of that love. I can have a confident expectation and a desire for something good in the future. I can have hope, biblical hope, hope in God because of His nature, because of who He is. I'm not going to have hope in a vaccine or in a leader or a political deal or a job offer or in a car. I have hope in God because of, because of His nature. Because of his lovingness, his graciousness, his righteousness, his just ways. Because of who he is. The author of Psalm, of Psalm 130 writes in a similar vein. We read, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. He waits for the Lord. And he hopes in his word, knowing that there is forgiveness with him. And then he urges Israel, as you keep on reading, he urges Israel to hope in the Lord. Stating his reason for the Lord, for with the the Lord, there is steadfast love. 
with him. There is full redemption. Throughout scripture, we see that hope is that desire of something in the future, but it comes based on who God is. So let me ask you this morning, do you know who God is? Do you know of his steadfast love? Do you know of his grace and of his mercy? Do you know of his forgiveness? Do you know of his judgment? Do you know of his righteousness? Do you know who God is? Because if you don't know who he is, it's going to be really hard for you to hold on to that hope. It's going to be really hard for you to identify that hope. And you might be asking, well, Adrian, how do I get to know this? How do I get to know this awesome God? Guess what? It's all right there. His word. And by his spirit, as we, as we welcome him into our lives, by his spirit, as we let him move us and guide us and, read, and speak to us as we read, we get to know our awesome God. We get to know his grace and his mercy and his love. We get to know who God is. And the more we get to know him, the more we have hope for what is yet to come. I've had many a conversation with my wife, Amanda, about all sorts of things. My wife's a nurse, and there's a, a larger, more day-to-day -day possibility that as things are getting worse with the, the pandemic, that she might be, um, I mean, she's already entering into the front line in many ways, but she's not COVID patient-facing at the moment, and there's potential that that may come. And things like that bring conversations and We've talked about all sorts of things. And one of the things that we talked about that I don't necessarily like talking about very much is, well, what happens if one of us were to die? And in one sense, I said, in one sense you can, you know, I said to Amanda, we're not talking about it. <laughs> it's not a thing that I want to talk about. She's like, wait, what if I were to die? Nope, nope, you're not going to die, Amanda. If anybody's going to die first, it's going to be me. I'm going to die first. It's fine. It's final. I've said so. Done. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm not God. And I, I don't know what would happen if she were to die or if I were to die. But I know that ultimately deep down inside, and it's something I wrestle with because I would, there would be anger, there would be emotion, there would be sadness, there would be all sorts of things. But through it all, I know that I would have hope for what is it to come. Because of God's loving, gracious manner, because of his righteousness, because of his just ways of being. I know I can have confidence that the future will be brighter because he is who he says that he is. But if I didn't have knowledge of who he was, if I didn't dive into his word, if I didn't know the attributes of God, if I didn't know him, if I didn't have that relationship with him, I'll be honest, I don't know that I could answer that question in any way, shape, or form. And Amanda's probably watching this going, well, hold on a second, that's a, that's a greater answer than you gave me when we spoke about it. Yes, in one sense it is, because you, know, you reflect and you move forward, and, but that's the truth. Do you know his attributes well enough to have hope for the future regardless of? It's not just because of his characteristics, though, that we can have this hope, this confidence, this expectation and desire for something good in the future, but also because we, of what God has already done. You see, we can read the scriptures and see who he is and see his attributes, see his qualities that remind us and focus us on who he is that will build on our 
our, our picture of who God is, that we can have confidence of what is it to come. We can have hope, but also we can look back and see everything that he's already done. I mean, where do you want to start? Should we start about the fact that he created the universe, that he is the God that literally put the whole universe and everything in it into action, into motion. It is because of him that you and I have breath. And it's because of him that we can walk this earth. Maybe that's, maybe that's not good enough. Maybe, maybe you want to well, turn to the fact that, that God from the very beginning had covenant with Abraham. And from there, even though his people were messing up left, right, and center, he made a way for his people to come back into relationship with him, to know him, to experience him. And that in part is because of his nature. Yeah, but that is also in part of what he did. He created ways. He made it possible. We might talk about the ways that he rescued his people repeatedly from, from slavery. You might want to talk about the fact that he mobilized Moses and rescued millions of his people, walked them through a desert. You know how else I know that God is awesome and that he's God and I can have hope for the future? Because in the past, I saw that when they were trapped, when they had an army behind them and a sea of water, a body of water in front of them, he said to Moses, lift your staff. And he did, and he worked alongside. He didn't need to work with Moses, but he did. And Moses lifted his staff and water parts so that his people, God's people, can walk through. He split the sea so that he could walk right through it. He later rains food from heaven. He's done so much, but maybe that's not enough. Maybe, maybe we want to turn to even greater things. And there's so much, again, so many things that you can read about what God has done. But maybe the greatest thing that he's done for us is that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have eternal life. <laughs> He gave Jesus to walk this earth, to live a life that we could learn from, that we could be touched by, that we could be influenced by, transformed by. But he also gave his son that he would die the punishment that you and I deserved so that we wouldn't have to. So that we would have salvation, freedom, forgiveness. But then beyond that, that as we believe in him, that by, by faith we would receive that grace, that we would also have eternal life. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not living my eternal life yet. That is what is yet to come. Yes? That is in the future. And because of what God has already done, because of his nature of who he is, I can stand here confidently, not only desiring, awesome stuff for the future, but knowing full well that what is yet to come is better than what is happening right now. Eternity in the presence of God. Can I tell you that it's going to get better on this planet tomorrow, the day after? I can't tell you that. I can't promise you that. But I can promise you that this planet is in God's hands. I can promise you that everything that is happening is in God's hands and that with Him, because of who He is, because of what He's done, I know that what is yet to come is glorious. That is hope. That is hope. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. I have eternal hope, eternal perspective. Do you have that eternal perspective? 
Is your perspective only solely about your life right now, the, the life that you've lived thus far and the life that you hope to live on this earth, walking in the flesh right now? Or is your perspective eternal, greater? Because if it's only worldly perspective, you're going to struggle to have hope. Because if it's only worldly perspective, you're going to look to a vaccine to say, hey, that's where my hope is going to be built. And you're chasing, even though it's not out fast enough, or you're going to be chasing and your hope is in your relationship. Your hope is in your job. Your identity suddenly becomes part of that. But if your hope is built on God, on, on, on what He's done and, and who He is, therefore your desire and your hope for the future, that, pers- that, that, that is eternal, that eternal perspective comes into play, then you know that you can stand with confidence. And Jesus came on the cross, not just for now, not just that we could have forgiveness from our rubbish now, that we could have, feel a bit better, that, oh, God's forgiven me, yay. I mean, don't get me wrong, woohoo, come on, he's forgiven us, but it's not just for now. It's not just for this life. However short or long our life on this planet may be, it's not for now, it's for the eternal. It was eternity for what is yet to come. And our hope should result in us being joyful. You've heard me talk on joy before. You've heard me talk about being excitable, about being passionately happy. And the reason is, is because of who we are in Jesus, because of the, the, the relationship we have with him, because of what he is doing in us and through us and for us, and because of the hope that we have. And through our verse for the year, God is saying, hey, be joyful in hope. Are you joyful? Does does your hope in God make you joyful? I'll be honest with you, church. I've been struggling the last few weeks with sadness, overwhelming sadness of what is going on in the world. I've been overwhelmingly angry with the division that is happening overwhelmingly upset with how we are wasting time on so many rubbish situations in the world, locally and beyond, overwhelmingly brought down, that I have sometimes lost my eternal perspective and have sometimes not been joyful in that hope. But when my eyes are focused on Him, When my eyes come back onto Jesus and I recognize what he's done, who he is, and I recognize what is yet to come, then all of a sudden there is joy bubbling through me. And so the question I want to ask you right now is, are you joyful? Does your hope for what is yet to come bring you joy? In 1 Peter 3.15, we read, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, to give an answer, again, implies that someone's going to ask you. 
And I genuinely believe the only reason people are going to ask us why we have hope and what we have hope in is because we are joyful in our hope. If you're miserable in your hope, no one's going to ask you, oh, where, what would you have hope in? If you are non-approachable, if you are just miserable and, and, and grumpy the whole way through, unsocial, non-sociable, no one's going to want to talk to you. Therefore, no one's going to ask you about the hope that you have in Jesus, about the hope that you have for the eternal. No one's going to bring that question up to you. We're called to be joyful in hope. And it is because of the joy, the joyful aspect that draws people in. And they come turn around and say, why, why are you so joyful? And it is in that point that Peter speaks in and says, hey, be prepared to give account. And do so with gentleness and respect. But be prepared to give account. And don't misunderstand me. Of course we're going to be saddened and angry about what is going on in the world. I'm telling you, I'm there. I've been feeling it. I'm still feeling it. There's stuff going on, yeah? But we are joyful in hope. Joyful in the confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And that isn't necessarily a, a, a happy-go-lucky planet tomorrow. That is what is yet to come with God. Christ. Christ is our hope. It is because of Him that we can have that, that confident expectation and desire for what is good. Because based on who we know God to be, based on what God has already done for us in Christ, Christ is the hope of the world. He is the one that rings true in all situations. He's the one that brings the desire. And he brings that confidence. And he brings that expectation that something good is yet to come. And the thing is, if you don't know him, if you, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, if you don't know his word, if you don't unpack more of who he is, it doesn't matter what I say, you're not going to see that hope. You're not going to know that hope until you step into a relationship with him. The best is yet to come. So let me ask you, are you joyful in hope? It's a big question. And I believe that the reason God has given us this verse for the year is because he wants us to be joyful in hope. Because he wants us to be joyful but not joyful in the money that we have. Not joyful in a peaceful, totally fine world. Not joyful in, 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 in a, a, a pandemic-free world. Not joyful in a vaccine. Joyful in hope. That hope built on who He is, what He's done. The characteristics that we know true of God. And that comes from intimacy with Him. That comes from relationship with Him. And you know what? Of course I'm praying. You've heard me pray. For peace where there is um, crazy uprisings. You've heard me pray for the doctors and on, on the front lines. And you've heard me pray for vaccines. You've heard me pray for the scientists. I'm not saying that God can't speak into those situations. I'm not saying that He won't bring those things to bring us some peace. That He won't bring those things to maybe bring some of the worldly joy. But what I'm saying is that what God desires from us to be joyful in hope in Him and who He is and what He's done to have that eternal perspective the eternal perspective 
that we could stand confidently, assured, because of our faith in Christ, that there is an amazing future yet to come. And that is beyond just this of our world right now. It's eternal. And that to me brings joy. That to me brings excitement. And I'll be honest, it's led to conversations with people. Because they see that joy. Are you joyful? Are you hopeful? God wants that for you. But it's up to you to step in, to know him. Study all that you can of what he's already done. Step into a relationship with him that you would know him. That you would have hope for eternity. And that your joy would bubble up from there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are an awesome, amazing, righteous, loving, merciful God. I thank you, Lord, that we can know your characteristics. Lord, not just from your word, but also the way you have ministered to us and journeyed, allowed us to journey life with you. Thank you, God, that you have shown us and proven to us time after time have you, how you have shown up, what you have already done for us. And so, Lord, we thank you that through who you are and what you've done, we can have confidence, assurance, guarantee of what is yet to come. That when you speak an eternal life in your presence, when you speak an eternal life with joy and peace, we can know it to be true. And so, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Lord, that our hope would be based on you that our hope would not be based on anything else of the world but it would be based on you and lord i pray that as we shift our eyes that as we focus on you more lord that we would have that eternal perspective that we would see things more the way you see them god i pray god that we would have that joy bubble up from within us that we would be joyful in hope and lord if there are those of us struggling to see or find that hope, I pray that by your spirit you would make yourself known. That you would rally us around one another to point to you, to speak of you, to lift your name up high, God, that you would be glorified, that you would be praised, that our hope would come from you. We thank you that we have a secure future, a secure hope. And Lord, we long for more of you, more of you and less of us, that we would continue 
to know that hope and continue to be joyful in hope. In Jesus' precious and awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen.